All right, all right. Well, as you're finding your seats, I just want to welcome you again. If you don't know who I am, my name is Tim Gillia. I'm the men's pastor here at Res Life. I help with a... Come on. <laughs> Woo! Uh, I get to help with men's ministry and marriage ministry, so uh, can I just say that between men's ministry and marriage ministry, uh, I'm stoked. Come on, I believe that if you want a healthy church, start with healthy men, then get some healthy marriages and uh, watch families get healthy, and you'll see church healthy, and uh, amen, then you'll see... uh, St. Francis, I was talking with some guys this morning, St. Francis of Assisi said, go out and preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. And uh, I believe that that a healthy men, healthy marriage, healthy family, healthy church, there's nothing that's going to change the world faster than that, right? There are, there are a lot of self-help help books in the world, but none of them can do anything compared to what Jesus in us can do, right? Come on, amen. Uh, so as, as we get going, last week we talked and started out a conversation on standing firm. We're going to kind of chase after that a little bit more this morning. But as I was, uh, as I was worshiping this morning, I really uh, had pressed in my heart that there is a massive lie inside, uh, inside of our culture and inside of the world that says, if I can attain a certain status, then I have accomplish what I need to, and then I can kick back and relax. And what our culture has done is it's encouraged us men to just chase after finances or getting the right, uh, the right wife or having the right things, our yard looking the best, uh, having the right boat in the driveway. And we can begin as men to chase after things we can begin to chase after things rather than chase after Jesus. And uh, if you ask, if you ask most men in America what it looks like to be a true man, they're going to label out some of those things, right? They're going to say, "Have so much in the bank account." They're going to say, "Have the right connections." They're going to say all these things. But I love uh, Ed Cole. Many of you guys have heard of Ed Cole. He says, true manhood is synonymous with Christ-likeness. If you want to see what a true man looks like, find someone that's following Christ with everything that they have. The problem is it's really easy to, to, to get off in ways. And, and honestly, uh, it's kind of like bumper bowling in some ways. You know, where, uh, where every once in a while you need a nudge to get back into the middle of the lane. And, uh, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, can I be honest with you guys? Uh, recently I had one of those gentle nudges from the Holy Spirit to get back in my lane, to, to make sure that I was pursuing the correct things rather than maybe, uh, what might be good, but might be a little off. And sometimes, sometimes our, our churches can be full of men that are chasing good things, but they're not chasing God things. And we need, we need as men to pursue Jesus Christ with everything that we have. So what I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to share a little bit of my story and kind of some of the things I've gone through recently. And, uh, and what I want to do is I want to pull out of that how we stand firm. Last week, we talked about what it means to stand firm, to build your life on Jesus Christ and hit the solid rock. Paul says there is no other foundation 
other than that which is laid in that foundation is Jesus Christ. So standing firm, the first and the only way we can do that is to build on the correct foundation. We could build an awesome house, but if we build it on the wrong foundation, the, the longevity of that house is going to be short. But if we build the right house on the right foundation, it will last forever. I am amazed when you look and you go, I've never been, has anyone here ever been to Europe? I'm sure we've got a few people, a couple people have been to Europe. From what I hear, you go over there and they'll say, oh yeah, this is a, this is a new building. It's only 400 years old. And you're like, this is ridiculous because in America, it seems like most of our buildings last about I'm not going to finish that statement. You can finish with the long, longevity you want. But I'm amazed at how if you build a building the right way, it will last a very, very, very long time. And that's true with our lives as well. If we build on the correct foundation in the right way, we will be standing firm out of that. We talked about what it means to stand firm. Then we talked about why. We talked about how the devil, the enemy, our adversary goes around like a roaring lion. There is, There is... There is a specific intent to bring destruction into our lives as men. Look around at our culture. Men are being destroyed constantly. They're getting sidetracked. They're chasing the wrong things. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's Jimmy Evans says, if the devil can't stop you, he's just going to push you faster and faster. He wants to bring destruction into our life. It doesn't matter how he does that. He's seeking ways to bring destruction. So as men, we need to be vigilant in standing firm. So we, we stand firm on the solid rock. And why? Because we have an enemy that's seeking any way to bring destruction. It's kind of like water and Michigan roads in the winter, right? If there is a crack, water's going to find its way in. And when it finds its way in, it's going to freeze. It's going to make the crack bigger. And all of a sudden, you have a massive gaping hole where you didn't have anything a year ago. And that's what the enemy's going to do. He's going to find a crack. So we've got to be vigilant in this. So I wanted to share a little bit of, of, my, of my story and kind of my upbringing and my history here and then kind of some of the things that have recently gone down. So um, I'm not sure if all of you know this. I know some of you guys know this, but I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up in a church. I, my my idea of church growing up, the the only times I went to church, it wasn't even Christmas and Easter. You'll hear people say like, "Oh yeah, we go to like they go to church on Christmas and Easter." It wasn't even that for me. For me growing up, uh, it was it was weddings and funerals. That was all my experience with church. Now we believed we we grew up believing in God, but there was no. There was, no, there was no strength behind that. It was just, well, there's a God, something, somewhere, somehow, some why. Nothing past that. Well, when I went through my early life, kind of some of the things, uh, that, some things went through my life. And uh, basically, I got to a point when I was uh, 16 where I, I had to choose to make a decision to say, either live your own life. Do your own thing. Make yourself feel, quote unquote, I'm going to, I quote this, feel happy. Or figure out who God is and pursue him. And through these, through these uh, situations with, uh, I'll, just, I'll just say, um, I was in a, a dating relationship with a girl and she broke up with me. 
And uh, it kind of came to a climax where in that moment, my world fell apart. Imagine I was just before 16, I'm 15 and like 10 months old, and my world just crumbles. What I, what I think is my world just crumbles. And at that moment, I reached out to a friend of mine who attended this church, a good friend of mine. I've known, I'd known him at that point for 11 years. Um, he's in Bethel. Beth, he's at Bethel now, but um, I've known him for a long time. And uh, I reached out to him, and he had been asking me to go to church pretty much twice a week, maybe three times a week for those 11 years. So this dude is diligent. And I, I had every excuse in the book, right? <laughs> I could write a book on reasons not to go to church that I gave him in those 11 years. And uh, I reached out to him. And uh, I said, hey, Patrick, I think a lot of you guys actually know Patrick. Or, you know, um, I said, hey, Patrick, can I go to church with you? And I kind of wish I would have said it in person to see what his face looked like because I'm sure it was, <laughs> you know. Um, but I reached out to him, and uh, I came to this room, this room. Uh, and I remember... It wasn't the first time. I, the first time I came in this room, uh, we did a call to salvation. Romans 10, 9, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. I responded to that. I said, I want that. And at that moment, I was saved. But it wasn't until about two months later. And uh, I was sitting about where John is sitting. John right there blue awesome uh i was sitting about right there but our seats were facing forward and we were singing a song and in the song it referenced i lay down and i buy my cr- I, I i bow down and i lay my crowns at the feet of jesus and i remember at that moment i was like i'm not i'm not doing that you know i i i i i said hey jesus i want what you offer in salvation but there was no there was no hey i'm gonna passionately pursue you and at that moment, I was, I was on the far side, like the chairs ended there, they were all facing forward, and I remember, literally facing this stage, I remember slipping out, I was, the la- I was the last chair, so I slipped out, and I remember getting down on my knees, and that was a moment where I just said, Jesus, from this moment on, and I remember, I remember in my heart, I had no idea what this meant, but I remember, Jesus, from, from this moment on, I'm going to choose to have you as my Lord. I'm going to choose to follow you with everything that I have. And from there on, it was a journey of Tim beginning to know not just, not just, hey, I'm saved. I'm not, what, what a lot of people say, like, not just, hey, a get out of jail free card. You know, like, hey, I'm getting out of hell for free, going to heaven. But it was, okay, you don't only want to be my Savior, but you want to be my Lord. Lord, synonymous with king, right? We, we, don't, we don't understand the term Lord really well in America. Um, but it was, it, was, it was the beginning of me learning what it means to be fully surrendered. Uh, another thing that tends to happen in our life is we, choose, we, we seem at moments to think we have arrived. Uh, and I have not arrived, right? So from then until now and forever, it's a journey of Tim learning what it means to have Jesus as Lord more and more and more and more and more. So that's, that's a journey. I mean, honestly, that's a journey we're all on at this point. My hope is that next year, January 1st, 
I'll look a little more like Jesus than I did this year, January 1st, right? Praise the Lord. Uh, but anyways, so that moment I choose to say, Jesus, I want to pursue you. I want to surrender to you. I want to follow you with everything that I have. And, uh, and it's been a journey of walking that out. So uh, I ended up going to Michigan State after high school. I think I just made half of you happy and half of you really mad. I really don't care. <laughs> I went to Michigan State. Uh, went to Michigan State for three years. I remember I was getting ready to sign up for my third year classes, and I felt the spirit of the Lord inside of me say, Tim, if you sign up, it's going to be dangerous for you. I don't know why he used that word in my spirit, but I literally felt, Tim, if you sign up for classes and come back to Michigan State, it's going to be dangerous for you. This was in 2006, to give you a time reference. At that moment, uh, I said, okay, Lord, the only thing I know to do is go back home. So I, I came back. Uh, so this would have, I was getting ready to sign up. I think it was around like the third-ish week of April. So classes then continued at the end of the year. Um, I came home here, uh, and two things happened at that moment. I transferred to Grand Valley, changed my major from engineering to sociology. The whole reason for that is uh, I looked at the guy that I was working with, and I was like, how can I get through this as fast as possible? And he's like, I can make it work for you in sociology. He was really high in the sociology department, so I was like, sociology is the degree for me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, and that was just, I just felt like I needed to accomplish that. I had, a, I had two years left at that point. He's like, I can get you through it, the rest of it in two years. So I was like, sweet. And then, uh, and then I came on staff here. So May of 2006 is when I started on staff here at Res Life. So however many years ago. Some of you that are better at math can figure that one out at this point. Uh, so 2006, I came on staff here. And uh, from that moment, it was Tim on a journey of what it means to Okay, I, I'm, I'm on a journey of Jesus as Lord, but then it's like, what does Tim in ministry look like? Because for a long time, I didn't think I was going to be on staff at a church. I thought missionary work overseas. But the Lord brought me here, and I said, okay, Lord, well, if, if I'm here, what do you want me to do? I started on staff in the youth worship program, uh, playing guitar, doing some stuff like that. Uh, very rarely singing. <laughs> very rarely. For health purposes, for you guys. Uh, so I started on seven the youth worship program, um, and what I did is I realized real quickly that if if I feel like the Lord's called me to ministry, I need to put myself underneath somebody that's in ministry, and they're loving the Lord and they're doing it right. So at that moment, I I, I really became really good friends with Pastor Daniel Vanderclock, uh, Pastor Dwayne's son. So I became really good friends with him. Started working with him. In the fourth and fifth grade, a ton, and then ended up helping out in the, the junior high uh, as an as a intern. I was a pastoral intern at times. I ended up being an administrative assistant for a while. And I'm going to fly through this pretty quick. Being an administrative assistant for a while, I worked in our print center, helped out with sound and lighting stuff. Um, and then in 2009, I met my... Uh, my wife Rachel, she's a rock star. I call the other day. I realized that she's my wild card because uh, what happens is we will make a plan, and I'm a very much like stick to the plan. She's a very much like, hey, that sounds like a great idea. So like, we're going the other day. We're going to get sushi, and we end up getting not sushi. And I'm like, but I want sushi, so I ordered sushi anyways. But you know, just like she, anyways. <laughs> 
<laughs> what did someone someone recently was like on stage like shoot the rabbit so I'm shooting that rabbit coming back so 2009 I met my wife uh, Rachel and uh, in 2010 I was offered the opportunity and through prayer and stuff uh, ended up accepting the opportunity to come on pastoral staff and that was in in uh, res kids. And then a couple years later, help, helping out with the junior high, and then work with junior high and senior high. And then in 2018, um, well, I should say this, in probably about 2013, probably in 2013, started attending men's ministry a little bit, made it really consistent about 2016, 17, maybe even a little bit before there. Uh, I was at table one for a long time. Worship people. Uh, yeah. um, 2018, stepped into a position of uh, overseeing our first impressions guest connection with Ricky. Now, he's taken that on full steam because in 2000, what was it, probably about 21, maybe 20? I can't remember. Connection started with connections. But uh, the reason I want to say all this is 2021 started with connections. And then recently, with some of the transitions that were proposed happening, have you guys ever had it where you're living life and you're doing your thing, and then all of a sudden the Lord points out something in your heart that you didn't even realize was there? This is what I, this is what I want to get to today, and then I want to release you to do a few minutes of table discussion after I talk about this. But... <clears throat> I did not realize it, but in my heart, there was part of me that was, quote, unquote, feeling like I was climbing the corporate ladder. You know what I mean? There comes a point where you have to make a decision to say, am I going to step into that next level of, quote, unquote, leadership, or am, gonna, am I going to do what the Lord's leading me to do? And uh, I would not have ever planned on stepping out of youth ministry to go into first impressions, to go into connections. But I could tell you one thing that's for sure. I've always wanted to be a part of men's ministry. There's two things that I've always wanted to be a part of, and I didn't realize it until recently, but it was marriage ministry, and it was men's ministry. And when I stepped out of youth to go into first impressions, that was obedience to the, to the Lord. That was me choosing to follow the Lord. Well, recently there were some conversations at the beginning of this year, and in my mind, my, my fleshly self, and I didn't realize this, was looking forward to possibly that next level of leadership in other areas. And I had to choose to die to myself, to follow the Lord completely, and then the word God gave me, and actually... I'm going to show you the note. I'm a note guy. I write notes to myself. So this is a little note from God. And uh, I was in a moment where I was, can I, can I just be real with you guys? I'm just going to be real. I was at a moment where I was kind of getting frustrated. Because I chose to say I wanted to be obedient to the Lord. And I kept following it out. And in my mind, it wasn't working out. But then this, I said this in a meeting, I think Ricky was in the meeting, and we were in a moment of prayer and worship with our first impressions and connections team. And I felt like the Lord said to me, to the team, 
but then I, it was kind of back towards me, and I went and wrote it down. But God said, be patient and watch what a beautiful thing I create. I had my own idea of what I thought I wanted. And I was chasing after my own thing, so to speak. I was being a good Christian about it, right? The Lord will. But God pointed out deep in my heart where there was a part of me that I needed to learn to surrender even more. Through that, that word that God gave us as a team, be patient and watch what a beautiful thing I create, that gave me the ability to take a step back and say, okay, God, I'm going to watch. And over the next couple weeks, I watched God do some amazing things and line up what I knew deep in my heart that I wanted, but I wasn't able to see it happening. And I've got to see God come through in so many ways in the last couple weeks with the transition into men's ministry and marriage ministry and doing some of these things. And I just want to say, when we try to do it on our own, we mess things up. Can anyone attest to that? Right? How many of you guys know that God, God's really good at working things out? My encouragement for us today is to let God work things out. So last week, we talked about the definition of standing firm and why we stand firm. Can I just tell you that we need to, we need to know how to stand firm? And a lot of it comes down to purposing to put ourselves underneath the, the lordship of Jesus in our lives. Because when I try to stand firm on my own, I miss it. But when we allow ourselves to stand firm by God's grace, we get it. So I was thinking about, I was thinking about how God created the world recently. And when God created the world, I'm just going to read this. Uh, when God created the world, in Genesis 1.28, he said this. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Listen to what he says. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. When you look at the story of creation, it gives an illustration of inside the garden there is absolute peace. There's absolute peace. There's a lack of chaos. And when you, when you think about the story of creation, outside of the garden, there's going to be more chaos. The reason I can say that is because the serpent was present outside the garden. The serpent was present outside the garden. So when God created the world, there was peace, and there, then there was a, a, a presence of some sort of chaos outside. And God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So God gave this, this, this uh, command, if you want to say, to Adam and Eve and said, take what's present inside the garden and make it present outside the garden. We are called as men to take what we have present inside of us and make it present outside of us. The problem is, just like I found myself, is we can tend to do that on our own strength. I could tend to try to force my will upon other people if I want to and try to do it my own way. And that's what I found myself doing. But as I've, as I've gone through these last couple months, I've realized that if I want to bring what's present inside of me, as in the kingdom of God inside of me, 
if I want to bring that outside of me, that comes through me obedient to the Lord. So what do we have to do is we have to choose to say, Jesus, I want to follow you, and I want to uh, chase after you so that I can bring, uh, let's say it this way, so I can bring peace to where there's chaos. But is it Tim's peace? No. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So in Matthew chapter 8, there's this story of Jesus sleeping in the boat. Many of you have probably heard this story. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. There's a storm on the sea. The guys that are with him, his disciples, are freaking out to the point where they're waking him up and they're coming to Jesus Christ. The one who created the world is, do you not care about us? We're going to die. Does Jesus freak out at that moment? Absolutely not. What would Tim do? Let me be honest. Tim on his own would be, would be yelling and screaming too. These are professional fishermen. Sometimes we forget that these guys live their life on a boat. So for them to be a little nervous means it's a bad storm. So these guys, I would be, I would be doing that too. But what did Jesus do? Jesus enacted and he brought what was inside of him outside. He looked at the storm and he said, peace, be still. When I read that story, I used to think about like the way, you know, if you're, on, if, you're on, if you're out on Lake Michigan and it's crazy waves and all of a sudden it's a little less crazy waves and then it's, and then it's a, a, a wave and then it's a little wave and then it's calm. I imagine at that moment it wasn't this gen, gradual calming down. I imagine it went from this to because the presence of peace takes over or changes or removes chaos. So what I want to do, <laughs> I'm looking at the time and I'm like, where did the time go? This is what I want to do. I want to hand it over to tables. We've got, you've only got a minute. So if you got a little bit longer, take it. I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not asking you guys to have a conversation but what I'm asking you to do is pray for the presence of peace inside of you. Because if we try to do it ourselves, we're going to fall really short. So this is what I want to hand it over to the tables. I want you guys to chase after the King of Kings and peace through prayer. Amen? Amen. Remember, do's and donuts on July 4th, just saying. Worship and donuts in the parking lot and coffee. Uh, I'm going to hand it over. Why don't you guys just pray over each other for peace? And then when you're done with that... Uh, chase after the day and go take peace out of this room.